welcome. Welcome to another episode of In Due Time. I am your host, Dan Erica, along with my amazing husband, Joe. Hello, everybody. And we are so delighted to be here. Now, I do realize that it's been a while since um, we actually did a podcast, and so during this two-week absence, I've actually been dealing with uh, a health challenge. So I spent the month of June in the hospital, the month of uh, July recovering, and it's been a while. And so that's why we've had this absence. One of the things that I noticed while I was in the hospital, and this was actually the hospital in in two states um, dealing with this particular health challenge, went through uh, two major surgeries and the recovery is coming along great. So thanks to all of my friends, my family, and especially to my husband for navigating all of this because it has been absolutely um, challenging to do, as well as a great, great thank you to my kids for simply checking in and staying connected, which is a really hard thing to do when you're in the hospital during COVID-19 and you can't have any visitors. There are no guests um, you know, allowed to come into the hospital. So this was a very, very interesting time. So for those who may have noticed that there hasn't been a podcast in a while, that's been the reason for the absence. One of the things that this experience actually led me to do was to really observe what was taking place on the other side, meaning in the hospitals, behind the scenes, when we're talking about first responders, and kind of having conversations, not kind of, but having conversations with those working in the hospital and hearing directly from them how they view what's happening. And it was very, very interesting. Um, when I brought this up to my husband, he shared with me that this is actually a time that's very similar to the Spanish flu of 1918. And so this is why we decided to do this particular podcast as a tribute to what are the lessons that we can learn from 1918 based on what's happening right now. So when Joe first told me about this, I said, okay, I'm sorry, but I'm not familiar with the details of the 1918 Spanish flu. And he was like, honey, Look, there's so many similarities between what happened then and what's happening now. And, you know, when you're lying in the hospital and you're attached to nothing but uh, IVs, then you have nothing but time to really listen and process. And that's what I was able to do. So we're going to talk today about lessons learned from 1918 and specifically around the Spanish flu. Yeah, so what I want to do is I want to start out with the similarities. Um, when I, you know, as a researcher, I, I was looking to see if there was something that may have occurred in the past that had uh, given me some indication of what we're going through now. And initially I started out looking at the 1889 um, pandemic, which was the Russian flu. Um, didn't find a lot of similarities there. Then I looked at the 1957 uh, Asian flu, which I didn't see a lot of similarities, but when I went back to the 1918 Spanish flu, I saw a lot of similarities. Um, the Spanish flu was transmitted by uh, people traveling from one place to the, to the other, and in this case, it was during World War I, where troops were being sent 
across the world. So the troops were essentially carrying the flu from country to country. Ah, so that was a global, that was how that global spread came about with that pandemic. Right, and so if you look at that and compare that to the coronavirus, it's been a lot of people traveling on airplanes and more, more on a personal level. Right. Um, so that was one of the things that, that really uh, caught my eye. The other thing that caught my eye was that the timing. The Spanish flu started to take hold toward the end of 1917 going into early 1918. And so it didn't take hold in the U.S. Um, until March of 1918 when people started realizing that this was something they needed to worry about, which is similar to the time frame here in the U.S. With COVID-19, because remember when we were in Paris... In January, we saw people who were wearing masks. Now, these were young people. And we were like, why do they have on these masks? Now, noted, they were the only group of people in the airport, remember, in Paris, mm -hmm. who had these masks on. And this was January of this year. And so when you started talking about this, I was like, wait a minute. Where were they coming from? Because this was early January, yes. right? This was like third, fourth of January. So where were they coming from that... They were wearing masks already because, again, that didn't catch on in the U.S. until March. Yeah, and they were coming from China. Ah, they were coming from China. Yes. So that's a similarity right there, a striking yeah. similarity. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so some of the other things that I, I noticed in my research were things like the uh, there was no consensus across the world about how we should address this issue. Even back in 1918, there was that concern about, okay, what do we do from a, a collective standpoint about addressing this flu? And there was no consensus from country to country. Actually, there was no consensus from state to state in the U.S. Sounds familiar. Sounds like COVID-19 100 and, years later. And then there was a the whole issue around uh, wearing masks. There was a lot of people that were against wearing masks. Wow. Um, and that was the same correlation I saw, of course, with coronavirus. Wow. And then additional things, like, for example, the newly immigrants coming over in the early 1900s were not were afraid to deal with the Anglo doctors. Mm, so there was a mistrust on their part there was a mistrust. in terms of going to the doctors. But was there reason? What was the reason for their mistrust? The, the, the reason for the mistrust was that they were used to certain kind of medical care from the countries they came from. So they, they didn't trust some of uh, the new... The practices that practices. they had coming to this new world, quote-unquote America, and, and, and seeing the way that they were doing, doing things because it was different from how things were being done in their country and their culture. Right. And, and some of the other similarities related to uh, the medical industry. So... Around the 1918 time frame, there was still there were a lot of medical breakthroughs. Um, so, so the medical department didn't think very highly or were very concerned about the Spanish flu. Kind of similar in the beginning here, where you know we're at a time where there's a lot of medical breakthroughs, and then there was some in the medical industry that d didn't really give this the, the due diligence it needed. To, to occur. Very early on, they were kind of like, oh, don't worry about it. It's kind of like a very bad flu. It's kind of right. like a very strong flu. They weren't recognizing it to be this thing that could be disruptive, where five months later, we have hit over what, over 100,000 people? That's right. Deaths. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's, it's this 
kind of almost nonchalant, oh, yeah, we would have known if it was this big deal that really had them going, well, damn, it is something to worry about. So it was that same kind of, you know, what's funny about this is that in 100 years, our attitude hasn't changed. No, it hasn't. No, as human beings. No, no, <laughs> and, and the other, some of the other striking, interesting things, again, I, I love research. So the, there also were issues with race riots in 1918. Bet y'all didn't and, know that. In a lot of the cities, which is what we're experiencing now. What was, a resu- what was the reason for those racial, ri- racial tensions and the riots that were occurring at that time in 1918? Well, because what you had here is you had, you had blacks already here. Mm-hmm. The immigrants came in, mm-hmm. and the immigrants were starting to take away the jobs from the blacks that were here in the U.S. Ah, okay. So, so, they were, they so were, that was increased racial tensions yes. among these groups. Okay. Right. But, but the interesting to note is that for the other, let's say, those in the majority who were here, this was just my fighting among minorities. Yes. Because it's the immigrants coming in, they're minorities. Mm-hmm. The blacks are already here, we're minorities. Right. And so it's this tension between these minorities that's taking place that's causing this racial tension yes. that occurred in 1918. Interesting, interesting. And, and some additional things. So the, the 1918 flu came at a time where we were looking at a catastrophic situation with World War I. And so as a result of that flu coming around, it actually ended up taking away some of the distraction of World War I because you now needed to address this flu that was killing the population. So it kind of put almost like a moratorium on war, war? Activity, activity. So, the, so it, it, it kind of interrupted World War I? It, it, it interrupted World War, World okay. War I. And so if you look at 2020 and the way our government has been heightened tension against North Korea... You can think of it from the standpoint of that we may have been headed toward a nuclear war based on all the, all the things. So this is now interrupting... A nuclear war. Right. As the Spanish flu did in 1918 and interrupting World War I. Right. Yeah, so, so, so that, that, those are the kind of ca- correlations that I found. And the, the, one of the things that time will tell in terms of history um, related to the coronavirus is that the catalyst in the World War I situation was, was, the, was the country, Germany. Germany had the most casualties, they had the, they had the most starvation, they, had the most, they were mostly impacted by more than any other country. But they were the ones that were so heavily involved in World War I. Right. So they took uh, the brunt. So the country that had the greatest, they felt the greatest brunt, brunt. of the pandemic yes. back in 1918, <laughs> they were the ones instrumental in World War I. Yeah. Wow. So, so is, it, history will have to... Repeat stay, itself. Repeat itself. <laughs> and we have to identify what that country is going to be. And there's a good chance that country is going to be the U.S. Well, from all... So, so again, that's interesting because if we look right now at who's behind in terms of testing with COVID-19, mm-hmm. if we, with the coronavirus, if we look at the number of casualties right now, mm-hmm. because when we first started doing the podcast on mm-hmm. the Rona, right, mm-hmm. and looking at Rona around the world and what was happening, we did, um, you know, Jamaica, we did Australia, mm-hmm. um, we even did Cambodia. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting was that then the numbers in the U.S. were not as high as they were now. Right. So... Now we're, what, three, four months down the road, because this was back in March, April, May, June, July. This is August. So five months later, 
we're now looking at this and realizing that, like you just said, the U.S. is actually now the leader in this. Mm -hmm. We don't have a, a, a general consensus among the states mm -hmm. of how to address it. Mm -hmm. And everyone is approaching it, individual states are approaching it in their own way. Mm -hmm. But what we are starting to see is a huge spike. Yes, and so, again, another correlation piece here with Spanish flu. What ended up happening was in the June and July months in the Spanish flu... Of 1918. Of 1918, there was a decline in cases. Okay. So it looks like the current... June and July, so June kind of what we just experienced right, right. for the summer months. Right, and so in August, toward the end, late August for the Spanish flu in 1918, you started to see things rise up again in terms of occurrences. Wow. So now we're in a period now where we've had a lull in terms of, especially like in New York, we're in New York here, um, where there has been a, not a lot of cases. Right. So what they're calling like a leveling off. A leveling which off. Which is what has led to businesses reopening, where they say, hey, restaurants can open, nail salons mm -hmm. can open, bars and all this other thing can open. But we're also looking at situations in Florida, Texas, California, mm -hmm. Arizona, where the numbers have skyrocketed. And they're saying, okay, wait a minute, stop. And even in Georgia, mm -hmm. they're saying, oh, wait, wait a minute, stop. We're seeing a spike. So where they expected it to be, what was that, that you? Mm -hmm. We're seeing that it's more looking like the W mm -hmm. from 1918, where, yes, it started out high, then it dropped. Yep. That was what we experienced in June and July. Mm -hmm. But now we're going to see an uptick. Yes. Yes. And so, uh, again, correlating the information that I found in 1918, San Francisco went to a period where San Francisco was a city back then that had, that had it was like New York, where they had, okay, low occurrence and stuff. They decided to take their mask off. Sounds familiar. A hundred years later, they're doing the same thing. Okay. <laughs> a, few, a few weeks later, they had one of the hugest spikes ever. Wow. Go Cali. Doing it again. So, again, it's, 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 if you don't look back, you don't, you, you, you don't know what you can utilize the information so that you don't make the same mistakes. Right. They haven't learned from the lessons. No, they, they haven't have learned from the lessons. And, it's, and, and what's the, the sad part about this is that Unfortunately, the Spanish flu did take place. That was a pandemic. Mm. So if anybody goes back and they look at pictures, they will see that people had on the same mask that we're wearing now, yeah. or very similar masks. What is sad about it is that we're ignoring the patterns of what happened then when clearly they said, look, June and July, the numbers went down. Mm. Hey, June and July, the numbers went down. Coming to the end of August, going into September, October, it's going to rise. We need to look at that and be prepared. What's the point of having history when we're not paying attention to it? How can you really navigate where you're going if you're not looking at where you're coming from? Yeah, and, and, and in 1918, I had the same issues with they opened the schools back up. They had to close them back because wow. of the occurrences of, of, of the, of the uh, Spanish flu. Um, you had a situation where... Nurses, doctors, anybody, you know, related... frontline workers. Frontline workers had the same issue. A lot of what they were doing were more TLC stuff that was helping people stay, stay alive. Um, but then, if you look at it, going into September, from September of 2000... From, I'm sorry, September of 1918 to June of 1919, over 500,000 Americans died. Americans. Of the Spanish flu. Americans. Just Americans. Just Americans. Because so, of the huge spike. 
Let's repeat that stat one more time. From September of 1918 to June of 1919, over 500, over half a million Americans died because of that next wave of Spanish flu. That pandemic. So people, listen, for those of you who are listening who are fact checkers, check the facts on this one. And if we are indeed wrong on the research that we have come across, please send an email to let us know. Put us on blast about this. We'd love to hear about it. Absolutely, because we want to make sure that we are informing and sharing appropriately and most important, accurately. However, let the record show if the research and the, if the research is correct and the facts as stated here actually are accurate, then take note. Take note. Because we're in August. Mm -hmm. A lot of school systems are getting ready to reopen. If we look at what happened in 1918 and what's getting ready to happen now, we're about to repeat history. And we're going to put ourselves in a position where we're going to say, just as we're doing mm -hmm. now, did these many people have to die? And the answer is going to be no. That's correct, because when the, back in 1918, they were doing the same thing that we're doing now. They were trying to uh, tout a miracle drug uh -huh. to, to solve this issue. Mm, sounds and, familiar. There's and, going to be a vaccine. Right, and they did a study about 15 years later in 1933 and realized that once they looked at the Spanish flu, from the 1918 to 1920 um, time frame, there were multiple strains, there were multiple mut mutations of the Spanish flu. Wow. So it was like, okay, even if you came up with something... You could that, have come up with a vaccine for A, but right. by now it's D. Right, because it mutated because the virus, and just like the flu, was trying to maintain itself in the environment. So it had to, it had to mutate it itself. It had to adapt. It had to adapt. And so... Wow. And, and so they realized that in 1933, after, after looking at it 15 years later, like, okay, wait a minute, we could have done things differently. Yes. So I'm not saying that we're going to be saying the same thing 15 years from now, but there's a lot to be said by looking at this and saying, well, wait a minute, are we looking at it in its totality? Yes. Because yes. this law may be like, okay, well, that first strain is kind of gone, but there may be a stronger strain that's in the background. It's in the background. It's getting ready to hit us. That's right. That's right. And so here's the interesting thing about this, too. When you were talking about the mutations of it, look at what was being said in March, mm. where, hey, young people won't get it. Mm. The very young won't get it. The very, you know, it's more the older those with underlying conditions. Fast forward to July. Wait a minute. There are no symptoms. Asymptomatic, no underlying conditions, and these people are dying or have died. Then we're seeing, oh, wait a minute, there is this very unusual strain mm -hmm. that's affecting very young children, babies, nine-year-olds, you know, two and three and four-year-olds. So it's like, oh, my God, that's not what was said in April. That's not what was said in March. And so as I'm listening to what you're sharing about what happened in 1918, I'm saying, but it's the same thing we're doing now. It's the same thing that's happening now. And I recall that you had shared to me there was a doctor who apologized, right? Yeah, the same, the same doctor that was part of the study in 1933. He apologized for all the mishaps and all the 
not being able to, to really do a good job of analyzing what they had. Because he had gotten pressure to put this, to, to, to come up with something real quick when they could have taken their time to come, with time. Come, come, come up with a vaccine. When you say come up something right. real quick, right. to come up with a vaccine. Yeah. And so in, in responding to the haste, Mm-hmm. Instead of paying attention to the time that it really takes to do this and to analyze it and study it more, they didn't do due diligence. That's correct. That's correct. And, and as you stated earlier, the, the other similarity is the fact that the Spanish flu also affected infants, young adults, and older people. Very similar to what... It's happening right now. Coronavirus. Right. So it, it, there's so many similarities that, that when I started writing this down and I was sharing this with my beloved... You know, I got chills yeah. because it was like, okay, this was a message to say, hey, you, we can deal with this if we go back and look. That's right. I gave you a roadmap. I showed you what would happen. I'm telling you again, a hundred years later, here we come, and we're going to try this one more time, humans. But now you can look at what happened then. Because see, in 1918, they couldn't go back. What was it? in When they were looking at this in 1918, they didn't go back to 1957 because that much had not occurred. In 1957, they didn't go back and look at 1889 with the, with the Russian flu right. because it was different. This, 1918 to 2019, yeah. this is so close. Right. This is so close and so similar. How can we not learn yeah. the lessons from 1918? Yeah. Yeah. How can we not? Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of similarities based on estimating how many people died and how many people died of that the flu. Spanish flu and even coronavirus because there was, there was statistics on the flu and pneumonia back in 1918. We're hearing when, the same thing now where they're saying, yeah, that person died from pneumonia. pneumonia. They didn't die from COVID-19. Yeah. So, then, so, so the numbers, the doctors in 1933, when they looked at this, they said the, the, the numbers they had for the Spanish flu could have easily been underestimated because they estimated 50 million people died globally. So that number was probably an under... Underrepresented underrepresented number. number. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like what we're doing now. Exactly. So so we have the same situation here. And and what I found fascinating about the 1918 um, flu was that, okay, we go from 1918 to 1919, um, and I stated it earlier, between September September 1918 to June of uh, 1919, we had all these American dies, and we had a a lot of other people around the world dying. So then you had a lull again in the summer of 1919. And then you had another spike again that went toward from the end of 1919 to the beginning of 1920. But not that many people died, because at that point in time, People's bodies have become immune to the different strains. So that, but that took almost a two-year period for that to happen. Which brings us to the other lesson that we need to learn from, from the Spanish flu of 1918. This is not going to be over in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. This is going to be around for quite some time. Right? I'm not a scientist. This is not a scientific fact, people. This is merely an opinion on my part based on let's look at what happened in 1918. Let's listen to what the scientists are telling us. Let's look at the fact that we do not have a vaccine, that there are new strains or symptoms that are coming up that they're they're, um, saying it's due to COVID-19. And let's look at the fact that we actually do not know we don't have our arms around this. 
And in the meantime, unfortunately, people are dying. Yes. That's a fact. That is not an illusion. And in the U.S., we are in that age of, um, at that time of just getting ready to enter just a very serious time of desperation because we've got elections coming up. We've got po political forces at play. We've got people who are, aren't working. Then we've got school systems that really shouldn't be opening. Then we've got kids who are going to be sick. We've got teachers who are going to be sick. We're talking about frontline workers who aren't getting tested. That's one of the things that I saw when I was in both of the hospitals here in New York and in the other state that I was in is that you have your frontline workers going in every single day. They're going home to their family, but when they come back in, they're not being tested to see if, if they're COVID-19 positive or negative. And we're just trusting that, okay, if you feel sick, then assume that it's COVID if you have any of these symptoms. But what about being asymptomatic, right? So again, it was, it was heartbreaking and very revealing for me to be sitting in the hospital, lying in the hospital bed in ICU. And I was asking them, because I had to do three COVID tests while I was in there. So they're diligently testing the patients, but the employees, the workers, I asked the person who came in to clean the floors. I asked the nurses, the nurses are working 12 hour shifts. I asked them, do you all get tested? And they were like, no. I asked the person who brought in my, the food, are you getting tested? They're like, no. Again, but what are they going to do? They have to report to work. They're essential workers, so they can't not come in. So these are, I think, some of the, the fine print mm -hmm. that we're not paying attention to. And for the teachers who are going, it's not safe, it's not safe, it's not safe. You have not lost your minds. You're absolutely right. It is not safe for us to go back into these environments because there's so much that we don't know. Again, let's look at the lessons from 1918. It happened then. Exactly. And, and I mean, you, you mentioned a point also that there was an election during the Spanish flu. See? And so, so they, again, this goes to the similarities, but to your point, there was the same despair and the fear among the people because they, they had under, uh, underestimated how powerful this was. Yes. Um, there was so much more many losses. I mean, if you look at the, the Russian flu, there was about 360,000 people worldwide that died. You look at the Asian flu, there's about 1.1 million people that died. So between 18, between 1889, it was in the hundreds, right in the thousands, and then 1957, it had to the million. Yeah, 1.1. But, mm -hmm. but in 1918, it was 50 million people. And we don't know... We, we have a big question mark. As to how accurate that number is, so it could actually be way more. Right, and then we have a big question mark of when, how many of us, how many people are going to die because of this? Yeah. Coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah. Lessons from 1918. That's what our podcast today is about. The Spanish flu from 1918 is very similar to what is occurring now with COVID-19 in 2019. This flu in 2020, this flu started in December in Asia in 2019. The Spanish flu started in Asia in December in 1918. There are similarities. 1917, sorry. Yeah. There are similarities that should not be ignored because they're historical facts. Yeah. And so for those of us who are historians, researchers, Again, we have the time we're looking at this. Where are we going for the answers in terms of what do we do? Now, here's the interesting piece. After, right? Yeah, so, so, so after, 
after the uh, after after nineteen twenty, after the Spanish flu had kind of subsided. Right. So this was from nineteen eighteen to nineteen twenty. So right. we're talking two years. Right. And, okay. So the 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 nineteen twenties, which is known as the Roaring Twenties. The Roaring Twenties. Excuse me. Where it was the most economic prosperity period, along with some of the most uh, artistic, yes. cultural things happening. Yes. So, what you see there, and when you look at it from that standpoint, is that there is a sense of renewal and a rewriting of the story. Yes. People rewriting their lives. Right. So it's a so reset. It's a reset. So you have things that came out in the Roaring Twenties, like the Harlem Renaissance. Yay. Right. You had the uh, the first punch card computer. By IBM. Whoa. That was in the 20s? That was in the 20s. Wow. You had the tri-motor airplane, which is what airplanes are based on now. Wow. You had the traffic light. You had Ford Motor Company deciding to come up with a way to build cars that would be more affordable for people. Wow. The assembly line. So this is all post, post. the pandemic of 1918. Yes. And so you had, um, again, like I said, some of the... Uh, most interesting things related to art, art deco. That was art deco time period. Um, but then you also had something, some interesting things happening on the religious political side of the house. The KKK started getting control of the politics. Mm. They started influencing politics. In the 1920s. In the 1920s, from 1920 to 1925. And then you also had where fundamentalist groups were questioning and complaining that science has something to do with the flu and saying that, okay... That had happened in 1918, the 1918 Spanish flu. They were right. saying that scientists had something to do with that. And so now you, you see that kind of similar fundam, fun, fundamentalist kind of stuff happening now. Same things are happening now. We have those same arguments that are coming up, the conspiracy theorists, and then they're saying, ignore science, don't listen to the doctors, don't listen to Fauci, don't listen to these people, and the scientists are going, don't ignore what we're saying, take heed and take note, you know? So it's very interesting. And again, the question that I would have for our audience and for our listeners is, is this a coincidence? Is this a coincidence? Does it sound like a coincidence? You let me know. <laughs> because if, if it is, please sit down. I'm willing to sit down with anybody to discuss it. If you think this is a coincidence, then, um, you know, state your case. Yeah, we'd love to hear about yeah. it. Because this is, while it is indeed sad, for me, it is also fascinating. It is fascinating that we have a playbook, almost, of what occurred, and we are simply ignoring it and acting as if there is no way for us to be able to predict or to know when this thing already happened. And it's not, and, it, and, and it's the same time periods, mm -hmm. June, July, August, spike, September, school, going into the New Year. So a couple of things I think that we've taken from 19, from the lessons from 1918. Don't ignore the facts. Right. Right. History already laid it out. Yeah. Let's go back and look at what they did then. Mm -hmm. Let's look at 15 years later what scientists said, mm -hmm. what they regretted, and let's not be in that boat yeah. Yeah. to but, say, hey, we should have listened. Yeah, because one of the things that came out in the 1933 uh, report was that they could have saved that half a million people in the U.S. had they continued wearing masks 
and locking down the, the states. Taking a more vigorous approach, maybe yes. we're just looking at what other countries are doing now. When we just look at, for example, Australia, mm -hmm. where the big, some of the major cities in Australia, they have gone into a serious lockdown mm -hmm. where they are only allowing one person from each family to be able to leave, right. to go out and buy food. It's that kind of a serious lockdown. Yeah. And so while we here in the U.S. may look at them and say those are draconian, check the numbers of people there though who are dying. Right. Draconian and live mm -hmm. or draconian and die? Right. Being non-draconian and die. Mm -hmm. Is this freedom that we are saying is ours to exercise, is it going to ultimately be our detriment? Right, right, right. Because there comes a time where we must simply say, you know, hey, let's batten down the hatches. One of the things that, that I think is very interesting too is that there are very prominent individuals who have succumbed to COVID-19. And they were ones who were very clearly, I'm not wearing a mask. Right. So while a mask may not seem like a big deal, at the end of the day, when you're drowning, you're going to take whatever lifeline is thrown to you right. to say, hey, save me. I want to be saved. This is not the way that I want to go out. So if wearing that mask is that lifeline, I encourage all of us to look at those steps. If you don't want to wear the mask, then maybe you aren't the person who should go outside and be around people. Because the mask is only going to be if you're outside and around people. If you're walking down the street and there's absolutely nobody else on the street, then you don't need to wear a mask. If you are working in a house and there's nobody else in the house, then you don't need to wear a mask. Because the mask is not, a protect, is not to protect you from the building and the walls, it's to protect you from other people and what may be in the air from those people. One of the things that I also wanted to, to take note of was it's interesting that they are now saying, oh, there is uh, droplets in the air. Because remember back in April, I was going through something in the air that was affecting my eyes. And I'm like, no, nah, there's something in the air. And it was a very brief period of time, but a mm -hmm. couple weeks ago, they were like, you know, there's actually moisture in the air that could be impacting your eyes as well. So it's important where you wear those goggles and shield your eyes. Just a, just a pinprick in that. But again, um, lessons learned. Yeah, and so one of the things that I wanted to kind of have our audience think about is, okay, one of the things that um, occurred during the, uh, um, that time period for the Spanish flu is um, Franklin Delaware Roosevelt caught the Spanish flu mm -hmm. and, was, and got very sick, um, but he survived it. And one of the things that he thought about was, I survived this, why me? And so he took it upon himself to say, I'm going to, since I survived this, then that means I have work to do. Mm. And so he took it as a sign. He took it as a sign. That he, he survived for a reason, to right. make a difference. Right. And so the difference he made was he came up with one of the greatest economic packages ever, the New Deal, that helped save this country coming out of the Depression. Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so... What I, what I tell my audience is, what I want the audience to think about is, when you survive this, mm. okay, one, you have a, a, a way now to rewrite your own story. Yes. You, you need to dig down really deep to find out what you should be doing. Yes. From you survive for a reason. You survive for a reason. Why me and not 
why does you may know someone that that have succumbed to it? Right. It may have been a close relative, or may have right. been a close friend. Yeah. But I'm here, so that means you're here for a reason. What's the reason? What's, What's the, the reason? Purpose? What's the purpose? Yeah. Explore that purpose, and move forward vigorously with that. Yes. Because you've been given another chance. Yes. And on that note, we're going to say. Please share with us what your revelations are. Share with us what you may have come across, what, what has come to you as a result of living through this pandemic. Because make no mistake, we're living through history. And the details and the notes that you're taking now will play a great role in terms of the future when asked, how did you get through it? What did you do? And what led you to the great acts that you're about to take? And it could be that you were inspired by having lived through the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. Lessons learned from 1918. It has been an absolute pleasure sharing this time with you. It's been a history lesson, for sure. So my love, I thank you, because I did not know this. Um, but I want to thank you because this was wonderful. No, I mean, again, I, 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 when I came across this, I said, this is something we need to share. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So again, to our listeners, please send us an email. Let us know what you think about this particular topic. Let us know your insights and your revelations. Our email is info at com. Again, info at D-I-A-N-E-R-I-C-A.com. When sharing, please tell us how you have felt about what you're going through with the, going through with this pandemic. And also, you may already have come to the realization that there are some changes that you need to make and there are some things that you need to pursue, as my beloved said, vigorously. <laughs> so please share with us your vigorous pursuits. Until we speak again, and we certainly will, take care. Take care.